Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we are with Andrew Johnson, Associate Pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. I'm Matt Till in the suburban sprawl of Chicago, Illinois. And once again, Michael is missing. We will find him, y'all. I know. I miss him, too. <laughs> so so we will find him. So he'll be back with us shortly, Matt. Where is Michael? Michael, we need you. Yep. Hey, Andrew, it's uh, good to see your smiling face. Man. It's so good to see you. You and your Star Wars shirt. It looks good. Uh, the gift, yeah, Christmas gift from my son. It was uh, my seven-year-old son. It's, uh, I think, I I was pretty. He was pretty proud of it, and I thought it was really awesome. So, well, to be known by your children is is to be known. Period is wonderful. Don't we all desire <laughs> yeah. to be known? And when you, and when you have passed something on to your kids, that they're like, yeah. I think Dad would really like this, and you're like, I do like it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's so great. It's cool to like have those kind of connecting points now that yeah, I, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what they would be as time goes on, but it's it's pretty mm-hmm. fun. So, so these days for me, it's it's it has been and I probably will be until Jesus comes back, uh Spider-Man uh for me, but as of late. What you? No way. Yeah. Uh big time Spidey head. Uh I mean, I'm to the point where I'm like sending screenshots or tweets from uh spider-man into the spider-verse announcing like like just dropping photos of spider-man 2099 from the upcoming movie that's not even coming out until next year and i can't be more excited about it i'm like sending it to my friends and i'm like it's spider-man 2099 he's coming i can't wait sorry listeners okay and the other thing is home star runner which is this ridiculous little internet-based cartoon that was big when I was in college. And now I'm making my children watch it and they know that they can make me happy when they're like, hey, dad, can we watch some Homestar Runner? And I'm like, we can, guys. Let's do that. <laughs> you know, and Love it. it just nice. it makes me it makes me feel good. Nice. It makes me nice. feel good. Andrew, what are we what are we talking about today? So um let me let me pull the curtain back a little bit for y'all. Um, we have changed our recording format, and sometimes uh, before we would kind of do a podcast a week, and uh, we would rock these, and and we would be able to react or act or react to kind of what God was leading in our hearts, what we were seeing through the ephesiology material, or what we were seeing out in our world. Now, due to changing schedules and times, we typically try to like bust out two a week. So if you all ever hear us laugh uh, about something like we act like it's in the in the future, like we're, we're this will not drop for a few weeks, um, but we're recording two in one day. And we finished one podcast and I said, Matt, I've got an idea. And he said, what crazy thing are you thinking of? And I said, I think we should go and record a pod just based around this question, who is my COVID neighbor? Who is my COVID neighbor? And he said, that sounds just crazy enough. Let's do it. So we hit record. So this is the question that Matt and I are going to kind of wrestle with today. Who is my COVID neighbor? When I threw that question out to you, Matt, 
What came to your mind? How did that hit you? So first reaction was, um, like, wow, that I think it's provocative and it is, and that's part of the intent here. Um, but it actually caused me to wrestle like, oh gosh, like all of a sudden that gives me some new lenses and some self-examination I need to think about. So who is my COVID neighbor? Uh, well, we're going to flesh this out, I guess, uh, together. Um, so these are unformed thoughts. So the first thing that really came to mind was the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Okay. Um, that was the first thing that came to mind was Jesus spoke with this woman from Samaria. Uh, the Jew, Jesus is, you know, born and raised a Jew and they despised the Samaritans and the Samaritans despised them. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't want to be around each other. Um, they were segregated individuals and people. And not only that, but in the culture, women weren't really highly respected very often uh, in, in a way that would have, you know, that Jesus was having this respectful conversation with her. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm realizing like, oh my gosh, like, you know, he's out of his way having this conversation um, and, and speaking truth with her um, sharing life with her, but not really ministering to her. I don't know. It's for some reason, that was the first thing that came to mind. I'm, I'm still processing through the question. I think what came to my mind a little bit as I thought through the question was also the similar story of Samaritan, but not the Samaritan woman. Uh, but the man who is going down that road gets beat up. Who are all the people that help him? Well, it's not all the people, it's one person and all the people who should have helped him avoided him like the plague. Uh, they would not, ooh, ooh, I'm, I'm starting to get uncomfortable in myself even as I'm thinking about this. Yeah. All the people mm. that should have been there to help, all the people who had the reputation, all the people who had the titles and the positions, um, all of them ignored the man who was in pain, who was dying. And the person who came to his aid was the Samaritan, just like Matt is saying, uh, they were the <laughs> air quote enemies. You know, we, we don't talk to them. They're the half breeds. Um, we do not even deign to get into their presence because they will make us unclean. And the Samaritan came to this man's aid, took him to an inn or hospital, made sure the man got care. I'll pay for it. Um, so when I ask, who is my COVID neighbor? I'm wondering, are we, are we as brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we as Christians, again, predominantly most of our listeners are in America. I know that's not everywhere. Um, are we concerned first and foremost about ourselves and our family? And, and, and that's as far as we're going to think about how to love others until this whole COVID mess blows over? Um, that's one question I'm asking. Another question I'm asking, at least, and this is what I was hinting at earlier. I wonder if people actually are kind of waiting for people in the church to start acting, to care for others. Um, my boss, Russell, the last few days, I mean, he, he got choked up during his sermon um, this past week because he was talking about the people who are most vulnerable in our communities during this COVID time. And, and a lot of those people are, are kids 
in either single parent households or parents who don't have jobs, they are not connected technologically and they're slipping through the cracks. Are we as the church coming to their aid? The people who should be the ones to help them. Are we doing it? And I'll tell you, until he said that, I hadn't even thought of it. So unfortunately, I'm answering this, uh, who is my COVID neighbor? And I'm, uh, I hang my head in shame. I haven't, I haven't acted. I haven't looked outside of that. So um, these are some very, again, as Matt said, these are some very unformed thoughts, but I'm kind of wrestling through this. Like, what does it look like for me to pursue the mission of God during this time where I am called to love my neighbor, even in the reality of COVID? Matt, what's, uh, what's, what's kicking around in your mind? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about that, you know, there's a great personal cost that comes with participating in the mission of God, right? Um, and I, I don't think the call needs to be that we all somehow need to be martyrs in, in some way or another. Um, I think it's hard that, <laughs> and maybe it's not hard to believe, but uh, it feels hard like this idea of like some people would actually disagree with the premise of the statement. What do you mean? Who are my COVID neighbors? (laughs) Uh, It's not even a real thing. This thing's a hoax, which I think makes it difficult, but maybe going back to your, um, you know, thinking about the, the good Samaritan, uh, there would be people who would even deny, like, there's no man over there. There's no man dying on the street over there right now. What are you talking about? You know, I, I could see that there's just, there's the passing by, like, I'm going to turn a blind eye to the situation and to the scenario. And yet there's the Samaritan, the one who's stepping over and saying, I'm, I'm going to, I see this need. I see this right now. And we're going to address this. Um, yeah. And, and what is the, what are those costs um, that, that we're willing to take? as individuals and as people, as families, as a church community, as a society, how do we, how do we decide on that? This is that these are real people that need to be that, that have real needs that need to be addressed. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about the costs to that, you know, um, and what are the appropriate costs that we're going to take? You know, we've heard often in this scenario or with, with the conversations that we can't let the solution be worse than the cause. I, I'm paraphrasing. I may not be saying it right, but we can't let the solution be worse than the problem. I think it's kind of how it goes. And I get that. You know, I, I get I get the some of the rationalization behind that. And I think about, yeah, um, maybe, maybe not. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think about um, I think about some of those early apostles. I think about those who went to share the name of Christ and and say, you know, this Jesus gives us real life. <laughs> There's real life in His name, and we are to to worship Him. And the nations start turning to Him to to follow, you know, to follow Christ in His name, but that individual think about missionaries who, who are killed um, because of the cost in which it took for well, them. I mean, what you're talking about, I love how you're phrasing it because it comes to my mind. I, I, sometimes I feel like we're, we're a repeating gong, 
Like, just like Michael said, we have to, when we look back to that church in Ephesus, that first church, um, that first movement, and then what came out of it, they were so active in their society that they made the change. People, people knew who the Christians were because they were caring for the sick and they were caring for the poor. And it wasn't just to look good on the news. And it wasn't just (laughs) to have that wicked, awesome social media post that says, look at me, I love Jesus. But my goodness, Matt, wouldn't it be great right now if that's what was actually seen in the storylines? Yeah. COVID is uh, ravaging this country, still this world. It's, it's peaking up in new and awful levels in every community. But do you see this? The church is gathering around people mm-hmm. and through safe and dist- socially distanced means are actually helping meet them where they are, helping them not just survive, but thrive. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I cite this often only because I think it's a compelling moment in the history of Paul's ministry and that, that moment in Ephesus where there's this riot that takes place in the town center. Uh, there are so many people who are now learning about Jesus and choosing to worship him rather than the God of Artemis. They're turning away from Artemis and all of a sudden the idol makers are going out of business, Right. And now they feel like their financial worth is at stake. Their livelihoods are at stake. Um, and rather than making something else, they're like, I'm, I'm going to, I want to continue making idols. This is the whole reason why people are here. It, like it's a huge tourist destination. So my business is going under and then they start to, you know, all of a sudden our huge riot starts. And now the Christians, uh, the leaders of the movement uh, are now pulled in to this this town square and it's a massive riot that's about that's starting to take place and it's finally called off but you know i i think about that kind of thing and i think we're afraid of um sometimes we're afraid of upsetting um other people they we're afraid of the personal cost that it's going to take um to do such thing to do such acts of love um you know i, I think I'm, we're afraid of discomfort because I'm going to be 100%. honest, I th- yeah. I think we have. So let's let's roll the tape back. You know, let's look back to some of our earlier podcasts. Uh, right as COVID broke last year, and Michael was trying to tell us get out there, love people, serve people, and I think you and I said, yeah, but don't get sick and die. Like there's got to be right. a there's got to be a responsible way to do this, and we mm-hmm. all were speaking out of a heart, but we just didn't know. There was just so much that we didn't know. Well, well, now we do. I'm not saying we know everything, but there is so much more that we know about ways that we can act to lovingly and graciously care for others while not endangering them, while not endangering their families. Um, there are still so many things we can do, but I, I, what comes to mind, at least as you're talking, Matt, and again, maybe it's coming to mind because this is my own problem, is that that cost to myself, that discomfort to myself, even the discomfort to my schedule. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to burden myself with an, a, a consistent commitment. So I'll just record podcasts telling other people to burden themselves mm-hmm. with consistent commitments. Mm-hmm. That one hurts. Yeah. A little close to home there. A little bit. Yeah. I'm, you know, 
so, you know, Mary, uh, Mary and I, my wife and I, we've, we've wrestled through this a lot and, you know, trying to figure out like, where's our place in all of this right now. And how do we maintain a level of responsibility to ourselves and to the world, to others. Right. And, um, and I really believe that there is a, a sense of a common good that we need to be about that. I feel like that this is part of helping the world see this is part of helping uh, reveal and pave way for Jesus um, and reconciling the world uh, to him is when we truly act out and do good things. And what's difficult about this is that we have always had this reverse kind of approach to the church. It's always been, and this is, we've been, we've been talking this for (laughs) well over a year about the church needs to be more active in its community. It needs to be out rather than in, rather than calling people into itself. It needs to be sending more uh, missionaries, disciples, people who are living on mission out. Right. And so for us, I think it's this sense of like, if we're continuing still, if we're still in this reverse order of things have to arrive here, have to come here, have to be inside these walls, then that's all we're going to be built on. And it's all we're going to continue to fight for is when can I get people back in? Yes. So, okay. So with that, Matt, thank you so much for, for asking it just in that way. I think that is the perfect now, I don't want to say segue, but something on my mind. Now let's ask that as, as uh, Christians corporate mm-hmm. now asking the question as a church, who is my COVID neighbor? Mm-hmm. Who are we to be as churches, as church leaders? Because we also understand a whole lot of people listening to this podcast are church leaders. How are we to approach this? How are we supposed to move forward in loving our neighbor during the age of COVID? Because due to state restrictions or lack thereof, a lot of our churches have already gone back in to meeting on Mm -hmm. a regular basis. And we are taking actions that allow us to continue meeting on a regular basis. And if the existence of our church was, can we gather? Well, we've just said yes. And so we say, how can we love our neighbor? We'll just open our doors and they'll come to us. And whoever shows up is our neighbor. Is that what... Is that so right, this Matt? Is, yeah, so this is clearly, right, and you're getting exactly to where I was thinking, is like, this is clearly a double-edged sword, which is what makes this difficult, right? And we've kind of said this earlier on when the, the pandemic first started um, last year, but this is the double-edged sword that we have. How do we be present with people? How do we minister to people and not put them into danger or yourself, right, that we know is a real present danger? I mean, you can actually catch this disease and it can kill you. Um, and it can kill you and it can kill your family. So please understand Matt is not saying. Correct. Throw Thank caution you. to the wind. Don't get your vaccine. It's all a hoax. Right. Just keep running about. I have way too many friends here in Texas that think that way. And that's not great. So yeah. let's not do that. Yeah. And I do too, you know, and, and unfortunately that's, this is the double-edged sword because you have that one side of like, well, we need to be doing this, Right. But then, you know, it's like, well, that literally is putting you and your family and the people who you love in danger. So if you put somebody into that kind of danger, when you know it can be avoided. um, That is is not love thy neighbor. Yeah, right. Is is that really truly loving your neighbor? Uh, I would argue not. The other side of it is complete, complete removal, (laughs) right? 
can also be a danger, right? Uh, or a complete separation uh, can also potentially be a, well, now what do we do? Where do we go? How do we, how do we interact? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. You know, I, for us, like our family, we've, we've really taken it seriously. We, as much as we can, we've, we've taken some calculated risks um, throughout the past year. Um, we really have limited ourselves during the winter um, with others. Uh, I have, you know, we, we, we're homeschooling our kids. We've, we've really, we're not even dealing with the school system. Um, I've talked to other people who are, who are in it and they're, or teaching in it. And it's just a hot mess, depending upon where you're at. It's constant in and out back and forth, political volleyballs. You know, the kids are the ones who are getting shafted on this. And I go, man, this is hard. And, and we have been, um, you know, for us, I think, you know, we've really tried to strike this balance of going, you know, I think for us, like we need to learn how, what does a new normal look like for us until this is over with? How do we be responsible people so that the moment is that when I do need to be near somebody that I know that I'm not going to be carrying this disease, I'm going to be wearing a mask. I'm going to be able to be able to engage with somebody when it's, when it's important. And I'm not going to be homesick one day, you know, like we're taking that responsibility seriously. Our kids are healthier. Our kids are happier. Um, it's hard. My wife and I both work from home. The kids homeschool. The days are long, especially up here in Chicago when it's in the middle of winter. Um, we do feel far more isolated than we ever, ever have been uh, from family and from friends uh, because we can't see them. But we're finding other ways to love thy neighbor. And that is through phone calls, encouragement, uh, text messages, um, staying home so that we're not spreading this further. Um, when I'm hearing 3000 to 4,000 people are dying every single day, um, man, we spent a trillion dollars in a war in, in Afghanistan when 3000 American lives were killed in nine 11. And we have this many Americans dying from this disease every single day. That breaks my heart. It just, it, it breaks my heart because we, we know that there is an avoid there's something that can be avoided here. We can actually curb this. We can actually prevent those deaths from happening. And, and I think we have to really deal with that as a people and as a society, we have to ask these hard questions and does our existence as the church in the mission, is it predicated on us making sure that we are gathered together and, and, you know, for the preaching of the word and music and all the other things that we, that we're used to doing or not. But I understand the fear. I understand the fear on the other side. Yeah. And there's also something too, which I would encourage all of our listeners as Matt and I are kind of hemming and hawing and kind of feeling our way around this topic. If you feel that there is something like it struck a chord, perhaps act and do so without having your church leaders tell you to do something like don't wait for somebody to tell you to call your friends at the church you haven't seen in a while. Don't wait for somebody to hold your hand and say, now this is the action that you need to take to be faithful and live out that, that call that God has given you. I mean, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast at all, you understand that we believe that God has given us each gifts to properly work with each other to make his name known in this world. And if, if that is the case, your gift is not uh, on the sidelines until the leaders of your church tell you, and now go put it into practice. Uh, today is the day 
<laughs> if you're hearing this and, and the spirit's moving in your heart, answer that question of who is my COVID neighbor. If you've got names and people that you've got to call, check in on, do so. Send them that blasted DoorDash card or a Grubhub or Uber Eats. Send them food. Let them know they're loved. Um, talk to each other through a window. <laughs> you know, lay eyes on each other. Don't just be like, we'll, we'll catch you in three months or we'll catch you on Sunday at church. Like, is that, is that, is that what it means to love our COVID neighbor? I mean, I don't know. I'm going to keep asking the question and, and Matt and I are going to keep fumbling through this because it yeah. just seems that there's a lot here. I think also too, it defines on, you know, do we have a clear definition of what does it look like to love our neighbor um, as we love ourselves? Um uh, you know, I think one of the things that I've been kind of saying recently to some other people is uh, if you have it, give it. And unless if you don't have it, you have nothing to give. So like self-care, like we know that this is an issue. A lot of the arguments for opening things back up and just kind of dealing with it, living with it and just like, hey, it is what it is. Let's just kind of move on with life has been the increase of uh, drug abuse, depression, um, you know, isolation, all these kind of things that we know that are hidden and they're underneath, right? And as I talk to other people, I realize that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of angst and anger and frustration on underneath in a lot of people's lives right now. And a lot of it is this unwillingness to um, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be accusatory. I just realize that people are trying to maintain life and trying to maintain some sort of version of normal that they once knew through this. I think people were willing up front to say, I'm willing to, you know, a week at home. Sure, we can deal with that. But now it's turning into a year at home. Uh, that's, that is a radical departure from anything you've ever known before. Yeah. And, and COVID fatigue is real. Oh, it's, thank you for putting the words to it. Yes. COVID fatigue. And it's, it is real. And, and so what I realized in something that we've been processing through is if I'm not healthy, personally, then I have, I can't exude health. I can't give health. I can't extend that to other people. I don't, then I'm not loving myself and I'm not able to then love my neighbor. And so I'm like, I got to care for us. I have to figure out what does life look like for us in this? Because the reality is as much as somebody wants to tell me, um, you know, like I'm a, I'm a pretty rational individual who can see reality. Uh, for the most part, I, I get tricked up my ever tripped up every once in a while myself, but it's been pretty obvious that this wasn't going to be gone in six months, pretty early on. And by the six month mark, it was pretty obvious. is isn't going away for a year. And at this point, it's not like we should be in it for the long haul. We need to be thinking long haul because this is not going to go away that soon. Um, especially with so many people against the vaccine, that's only going to continue to prolong the issue. Now that aside, that aside, I'm thinking through, how do I live as my family? How do I love my kids through this? How do I support them through this? How do my wife and I figure out a way to work and continue to provide for our family um, as loving them so that we have something to give <laughs> when the time is ready for us to give to the neighbor? Um if we're caught up in all the stress and the anxiety of the rest of the world, then, then what use am I? I, I, I mean, what, what use can I possibly be if I'm constantly keeping up with all the things? So we've, we've chosen to just 
kind of simplify things. We've chosen to re redefine what we're going to be about and what our lives are going to look like now in this season. Uh, our kids are not involved in school right now. We're homeschooling them and that's just our choice. And, and we're, we're making that choice because we a have the ability to, and I recognize not everybody does, but it's like, we want our kids to, to learn in this season, to grow in this season. And we're giving ourselves the grace to go, my wife and I both work full-time from home. So I, there's not, they're not getting the full like six hours a day education that other people are, but I'm also not afraid of them uh, falling behind because I, because I think that in this season, I'm just, I'm kind of trusting in the sovereignty of God and all this. I'm seeing them grow. They're young enough where they can, they, they can grasp uh, these concepts of, of what's happening around them, but also in the learning. I mean, we like, we're trying to set ourselves up for a place of health so that we can love our neighbor. And, um, and that's, I think that's kind of the first start, the first place of, of just kind of coming to this reality of like, I got to get off that train. That's not working for me anymore. Well, I think you also, you phrased, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you phrased it really nice too, in that, um, if we have it, we can give it. And I think some of us, again, self-included already admitted it. So don't accuse me. Um, of we want that comfort and so we're a little less willing to go out there um we're stingy again my word about me not you um i'm gonna hold my money back and um because i know it's costly when you start getting in into helping people out who are in need uh but perhaps we've got a bogus lens that we're looking through what does it look like to be faithful doesn't always mean i give my money and, and so perhaps a monetary gift is not what God is calling you to do. Maybe again, as Matt's already talked about, you call somebody, you send them a text, um, kind of looking at it on an individual basis of how gift do I love of, my gift of encouragement, right? Yes. Like being able to share encouragement with others rather than the constant, <laughs> berating, complaining, right? Things like that. I mean, but yes. we're all susceptible. We need, we need an ear for somebody to listen to us. And I understand. And maybe you need to be that for somebody else's. I'm going to be that listening ear. Yeah. But let's also take it to that church angle. Like we started to like mm -hmm. a corporate church angle. Mm -hmm. If you guys listen to that last episode, uh, as, or I should say the last like two or three episodes or maybe last 12, uh, we as the Christian church may not be growing like we want to, uh, we were already saying that the American church is hemorrhaging membership. And that was before COVID hit. And then COVID came around and a whole lot of people who were kind of only in a little bit, they're gone. They're not coming back. And even our most faithful givers right now also might be just hesitant to show up in person because they want to protect their family because they want to, to make sure that, uh, they are safe and they're able to continue to do what God has called them to. And so it makes it real sticky when you're like, Hey, if you love Jesus, come to church. Uh, yeah, which I, it's a false on dichotomy that note, on that note, just, just from my own personal experience, the more yes, yes. serious I have taken COVID-19 and the more I have demonstrated that that level of seriousness to others, the more uh, respect as well as influence I have been able to gain in other people's lives who in the past I have used approaches where my vision of them has always been come to church. 
and I have now been able to gain some inroads with people. Um, and man, I, I don't even like how I'm saying this, but, um, so forgive me, uh, for those who might be listening on the outside, I guess, um, I, I make it sound like I'm doing some sort of covert operation and, and that's not what's happening. It's just, I've come to realize that the more serious I've taken this, the more people have actually come to respect what I have to say and what, uh, they want to now learn more and hear about Jesus. And those conversations have opened up in ways that I've never uh, you would pray about and now they're happening now that's my experience i think it's uh it's an amazing experience that um all of us have again we've kind of phrasing this question from the angle of church leaders or uh when i say church corporate uh, you know the, the the business operation that is church of which again i'm a full-time employee so i'm talking to myself so please don't hear this as me throwing stones but we spend so much money and we spend so much time putting on the show that is that Sunday deal. And when the show is taken away, but we still have God's call to love and serve our neighbors, then it's like, great. So now what are we about? And I know for near town, this has freed us up to do a lot more or interact in a lot of different ways. Um, but we are meeting on Sundays. And we try to do so in a safe manner. But the thing is, God has been so gracious to us to keep our eyes focused on. So how do we actually love? How do we actually love our neighbor? And so God may not. Now, God has blessed us financially and we are able to interact and um, help to different communities that are around us take steps forward in ministering to their communities in new ways because COVID has impacted them so hard. Um but it's also enabled us to say, okay, so if it's not a financial thing, or if you're listening and you're like, COVID has decimated our attendance and giving, I'm not sure what you mean by how I can love my neighbor when right now I can't, I'm not sure where our next paycheck is coming from, or I'm not sure if we're going to make it through as a church. Um, please allow this encouragement to be, you are the church as people. And so how can you go out as this, this force of good and encouragement and Christ-likeness and a representation to say, okay, neighbors, so I can keep you safe and still love you. How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? Yeah, and I think this is what, you know, brings up the issue and exposes us, I think, in our our missiology, our ecclesiology, this is what exposes us is if the church can only survive and thrive when it gathers in a, in a facility or whatever that looks like as a large corporate entity um, in which these other things seem to have to happen. But most importantly, the offering plates get filled. Um, then, then I think we have to question, we have to re-examine the ecclesiology. I think we have to re-examine its per, our purpose and our mission in this world. Um, because if it's predicated on that, then COVID and things like this are things to be feared and ignored and put down and minimized and delegitimized. Um, and that would apply to other things. Anything that would threaten your existence in the way that you've always understood it to be suddenly becomes a threat that now has to be explained away. And 
that's not yeah. the, the the gospel works beyond those things and right so we have to we ha- we can't rely on that right no i mean i was almost going to say you know please reference the past episode on the myth of american christianity or the christian america because you know that if you see your church's existence because it is because we are a christian nation then everything else is the enemy that's going to threaten that christian america because it threatens your existence and your christian understanding of what does it mean to be the church Um, but at least looking in through the lens of this completely made up question of you know who is my covid neighbor it allows us to refocus on the mission that god has called us to let's not let's not just answer the question of how do we get butts and seats or make sure our coffers are full um how are we about how are we about what god is actually calling us to be about what is he uniquely asking you to do in the community that he has put you in for this time to utilize the gifts that he has given you you are no accident where you are I absolutely trust in God's sovereignty. And so as I teach and talk often, it's like you're at your job, whether you like it or not, right now at this time as his child. So how are you going to show up there? You spend eight hours a day on Zoom. How can you love those people on Zoom well? What does it look like to love that COVID neighbor? Because maybe those people apply too. What does it look like to love the neighbors that surround you or the ones that surround the church um, or the businesses, the, you know, the, the businesses that were hopping before COVID and now are struggling. What does it look like to love them? Um, I don't know. Just kind of spitballing just a, yeah. a variety of different thoughts. Well, so this, this also too, I think kind of brings up, you know, some, some ideas of like, what, what is it like? what do we, what do we idolize? Right. I think at times, like we, we all hunger for community, right? We're really good. We've been really good about preaching this sermon about, you know, community within our churches, that this is the gospel community. We're meant to be together, to serve one another in acts of love, to be then sent, but encouraged, uh, uh, helped, uh, you know, yeah, but it's become the idol that that's it is, is that we have, we've actually idolized it. And, and now we don't know how to function as human beings on our own. We don't know how to function as people like Christian. Do you have the Holy spirit in you? Christian, do do you believe, have you surrendered your life to Christ and believe that he now indwells within you and empowers you for every good works of ministry and service? Because this is the call. Like this is, this is what we're made for is, allow these moments to reshape you and to rediscover God's mission for you. And pastor, is that the message we're sending our churches and our church members? Or is it the hard truth that we haven't been equipping them for this at all, that we have failed in this from the beginning? And I, sadly, I think that's part of the scary reality is that we just haven't, we haven't done a really good job. We, we've, we've continued to bring people into our churches to rely on the meat that you serve or that we serve on a weekly basis and have failed to equip them to swim on their own. Francis Chan's got this great um, illustration where, you know, he kind of pictures this, uh, this, this, uh, you know, out in the swimming pool, out in the deep end, you've got all these Christians out here. And by the way, they've all got life vests on them. And, and so here they are just kind of bobbing out there on the life vests and just kind of enjoying, you know, you know, hanging out together. 
But what happens when you take the life vests away? Or if they're all sitting on their floaties and the floats get taken away or popped, how many of them know how to swim out in the, on a, you know, and, and by the way, when I heard him give this sermon or I get, heard him give this uh, actually in person, um, this was pre-COVID, <laughs> a year before COVID. And he's talking about this idea of, are we equipping people, spirit-filled Christians to, to carry the message and the witness of Christ everywhere they go apart from you and apart from the program and all the things that hold them up and keep them afloat or can they swim on their own and christian i just encourage us to ask the question of ourselves am i equipped enough and do i know and am i willing to trust the lord and that i can swim in these waters i know matt and i are again as we have referenced before relatively passionate people and so when we get on our passionate rants um, <laughs> it might sound like we're trying to find the easiest thing to pick on and then just keep railing on it because let it be known listener this is not the first time that we've expressed frustration with the path of the american church this is not the first time it won't be the last said, either no where we have said y'all we've not equipped anybody to actually do the works of ministry but let us not stand on our high horse we want to encourage you you, the individual believer, get into God's word, reach out. If you are a part of a church, reach out to those leaders and saying, I'm realizing I'm not equipped like I would like to be. I feel like I am unsure about how to show my faith. I feel I am unsure on how to tell others who Jesus is and why he's the hope that I have. Um, I feel really unsure about a whole lot of my Christian faith that I hold. Don't be ashamed of it. Go and talk to some brothers and sisters who are in Christ, whether they're in leadership or not, and say, this is how I feel. Um, how can we improve on this? How can we actually grow in this? Uh, leaders, my encouragement to you, please don't feel that Matt and I are just throwing rocks at you and that we're just trying to take you down a few pegs or cut you off at the knee. But it's to say, let's spend a little bit of self-analysis. At this stage in the COVID game, have we figured out a way to love our neighbor or are we hoping COVID goes away so we can go back to business as usual? If, if God has given us a mission, how are we actually equipping the people that God has given us to go and participate in that mission yeah. to actually carry his name forward? Um, so look at the programs that you've got going on. Look at the, your, your discipleship path. If you have such a thing, look at your leadership pipeline. I'm using all the hot button items you yeah. know, to, to term this, but like, are we actually discipling our people? And, and if you think your answer is no, don't feel shame. Just in humility, go to God, go to your other leaders, say, I don't think, I think we're missing the boat here. I don't think we're going where we need to go. Um, kind of some of those sacred silos that we said we wouldn't touch <laughs> and deal with them. And you know, then Andrew, how Andrew. can we do this? Yeah, Andrew, I, I, I think, you know, this is a great time to have this conversation uh, because we we talked a lot about this about this reimagination, reenvisioning the church early on in the pandemic uh, last year with a number of podcasts. We had this conversation. We talked about it. Here's your opportunity, church. Some people embraced it, others did not. Uh, and and I have a hunch that some people who are listening are still struggling, whether they're a church planter, they're thinking about planting soon, or whether they are in it um, and and living it right now. Um, or maybe even some more legacy churches that are trying to figure out what's next. My hunch is that there's a number of people who are literally like 
this is do or die time. Like we either, we got to open our doors and, and make this work or um, I need to figure something else out. Otherwise we're not surviving the way that we used to operate. Um, and unfortunately, and sadly, there's a lot of businesses who are like this. I mean, restaurant businesses are just being decimated right now. Uh, so many other businesses are struggling and my, my heart is aching for that right now, but realizing too, like, this is also the time where innovation occurs. Yes. That was literally the word I was going to say. We got to innovate. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. We don't look at all the businesses that are, you know, they had one model of business. And then say, well, you existed really well before COVID. You know, let's throw our let's throw a small party. We're done. Or innovate. See yeah. how you can get an edge in and move things forward. How many of us are kicking ourselves for not investing in Zoom? How many are kiss- <laughs> kicking ourselves for not investing in any of these platforms yeah. that we saw were about to become our lifeblood? Yeah. Um I like you know. I, it's a joke. Well, and, also, but- and also too, like, how are we, how are we innovating even our own discipleship? How are we innovating at yes. home? How are we? That's inv- clearly the you thing I mean? that matters for us to yeah. hit with. <laughs> like, like what is, what are the things that we're thinking through of how does the gospel continue to, I know Michael doesn't like this word contextualize, but he's not here. Uh, so too bad. But like, so like, how uh, does the gospel contextualize in the new era, in the new world? Um, again, getting rid of the myth of like, Hey, this is life now. Um, we can continue to ignore it. We can continue to try to dismiss it, or we should figure out a way to embrace it. Um, because the reality is a lot of people are embracing it and, and having to figure out a way to do it or whether they want to or not. And I think the world is looking to us. They're looking to you church as a, as a leader in this lead us. Um, people are suffering, people are hurting. Uh, there are people who are working, uh, jobs that are minimum wage that don't, uh, afford, um, what you have possibly, um, or can't, I mean, they came by homes, you know, it's, it barely can pay their car payments. Um, and, well, and maybe that, this is you too. And I, I, I yeah, want right. to oh, take yeah. that caveat I, too, mm-hmm. just like where you're starting off. Like, I don't want you guys to hear Matt and I saying that we're the ones where everything is going rosy and it's going bad for everybody no, it's else. Hard. It's, it's, it's real it's, hard. Yeah. And it doesn't crazy. mean that everybody else's difficulty or, or their dire situations are going to get any better or they can just wait until your situation's better so that you can help them. Your situation may not be great and their may situation may not be great, but God has still gifted you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still inside you and you can still be active in discipleship even in the midst of a dire, dire way. Yeah. You know, and I th- for us, like, I think we're kind of uh, the place where I kind of had to get to was if I'm going to be a value to this world, if I'm going to be a part of God's mission, if I'm going to be used uh, in a way that is going to have meaning and deep influence, I had to say no to a lot. Of, I had to change things. We, right. we had to make some significant changes. I had to acknowledge reality. I think I said this on on a podcast a number of a couple of months ago, but I had to just kind of embrace the fact that like, hey, I'm in an exile. Like this is a new exile right now. This is what it is. And it's time to plant. It's time to build a new home. It's time to build something different here and embrace it and then learn to walk again. And then so that I have the freedom and the heart and the ability 
to love my neighbor and to, and to be a witness for Christ, even in and through it. And I felt like the sooner I got there, the sooner that I'm able to get there, the better off I'm going to be, the healthier and the happier I'm going to be, um, and the ability that I'm going to be able to share that with other people. Now, I, I can't say that I'm getting it right 100% here. I, I can't say that. I'm not that confident, but I am confident enough to say I'm getting a few things right. And I, I'm confident enough to say that I think we're on the right track. And the sooner I can embrace this, the better off I think we're going to be in the long run. And um, and so that's where that's what I had to get down to is I, I had to make some significant changes in my life to say, this is what we're going to do. And and this is this is the way forward. Um, I can't, I can't spend my time stressing about everything. Something's just going to have to die. Something's just going to have to be done with, and I got to say no to it. I got to leave it behind. I think one of the things that you're, you're at least talking towards, and I want to make sure maybe as one of our last points that we hit is that what isn't changing is who we are. That identity piece that Michael and I and Matt continue to circle around and around who we are changes everything. And there are going to be a variety of circumstances, seasons of plenty, seasons of great lack. And, but it doesn't change who we are. If we have come to Christ and we have tasted and seen that he is good, uh, then we stay with him. And then we figure out because this is who I am, because I am a disciple, because I am a servant, because I am a part of his family, because I'm a missionary, I am sent by him into this world. Well, since all that's true, what action should I take? Matt, great wisdom saying there are some things that I'm just going to have to look at and say it's going to die. And I'm going to have to make some uncomfortable changes. But I'm making the uncomfortable changes not with a should, not because somebody tells me I have to, and out of guilt, I'm going to do this. It is because the end of all human flourishing is in Christ. And if he has changed me to my core, then I remain satisfied in him and I live like he's called me to live because it is good, because life is available in him, because I get to show everybody what, what life really is. And it's available through Jesus Christ and him alone. Mm. Amen. Amen. It's a great note to end on, Andrew. Thanks for the provocative question today. I'm not sure if we mm -hmm. completely answered it or not, um, <laughs> but it is one to continue wrestling through uh, together. And I'd love to hear our, our listeners specifically yes. interact on this topic. Like, again, we hit around it. We, we talked about it. We hemmed and hawed. What do you think? What do you think about this? Who is my COVID neighbor and how am I supposed to love them right now? Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, we want to encourage you as the listener to uh, engage with us uh, on this very topic. Uh, find us on Facebook on if you're still using that platform. <laughs> and I'm only half kidding, but if you're on Facebook, uh, we're there still. Uh, you can find us uh, by searching Ephesiology. We'd love to hear from you. Love for you to interact with us or send a private message. Um, we'd love to love to engage and, and hear your thoughts on this topic as well. Um, and of course, thanks for always for doing the theology and community with us here on the Ephesiology Podcast. And we are glad that you are a part of the growing Ephesiology Global Community. 
Learn more about Ephesiology and get access to free missional resources for you, your church, and leadership teams at Ephesiology.com. So for Andrew, myself, and Michael, who is not with us this week, we will talk again next week right here on the Ephesiology Podcast.